This is the Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hotback Bar and Grill. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Oh, yes. Welcome. It's the Hot Stove for the first time this year. Thanks for being with us. We're here live at Steelhead Alley. Gary Hill, Rick Riz here. Rick, it's great to see you. Gary, great to see you as well. Happy New Year to everybody out there in the vast listening audience. We have a cheery cast of thousands here at the Hatback Grill. Uh, look at this. Grill. Good oh, group. we are ready for baseball. Yes. And it's going to start warming up, and we're just uh, weeks away from uh, spring training. First game is on February 24th. And before we know it, Gary, we're going to get ready for the first game of the year right here in Seattle, right across the street, T-Mobile Park against the Cleveland Guardians. Can't wait, buddy. We have a great guest to lead things off. Almost as important as the Moose. Justin Hollander is here. <laughs> close. Pretty close. <laughs> it's great to see you, my friend. How are you? Great to see you guys. I feel like we, we see each other every day for seven months, and then you guys just disappear and then nothing, on me. Yeah. Nothing. How is the offseason going? How's it been? It's great. Um, it was you know busy early on. We did a lot early on, then we had a little break, and now starting to pick back up again. Has you know, it's funny to watch the uh, the off season unfold, big picture. Uh, and it's it feels like it's been a strange off season, but it feels like we've said that the last couple of years in baseball is is this the new norm, where every off season is going to be a little bit different? Probably. You know, we had some unusual circumstances the last few years. First with COVID. Last year we had labor issues and a lockout ultimately that settled all the way into spring training. So the offseason was, you know, like truncated into two where it was very busy early. And then we sat around for a long time and then it got very busy in a time when it's not usually very busy when I'm just hanging out with you guys in Peoria. Um, and, so th- you know, this year I, I think there was more activity early, particularly in free agency, than there's been the last few years. You know, prior to the COVID year, even the COVID years, lots of free agents signed later. It seemed like the market kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And this year... There was some early trade activity and then almost exclusively free agency until now. And now you can see sort of free agency winding down a little bit um, and then more trade activity seemingly picking back up. Yeah, teams had to figure out how much money they had left after they signed, uh, you know, a lot of contracts with the big names. You you guys went out, you and Jerry went out in the front office, did a great job to acquire Teoscar Hernandez, Colton Wong. We'll talk about those two guys What's left to do prior to the start of spring training, Justin? So I think in a perfect world, we'd add a right-handed hitting outfielder. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Someone who could uh, play some left and some right, occasional day in center maybe, and maybe take some DH at-bats depending on how the the team shaped up. So that's something for us. And then I think we just want to be opportunistic after that. If we have a chance to add impact at a certain spot or round out our position player group, I think that would those, those are priorities for us just to continue to build more depth, more balance to our lineup. We haven't had a chance to sit down with you since the moves that you made, including Teoscar Hernandez. What does he bring to the club? I think just an impact middle-of-the-order bat, and sometimes those sort of cliches or buzzwords get overstated, but that's really what this is. This is somebody who absolutely mauls left-handed pitching, who is a legit middle-of-the-order hitter against right-handed pitching. He's a really good athlete. He's fast. He can really throw. He's got, obviously, a significant playoff experience both last year against us, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, in previous years, he's played in winning environments. And on top of all that, you know, one of the things that, that Jerry and I and our whole group takes very seriously is we saw what our dynamic was like in our clubhouse last year, the the 
the vibe, for lack of a better way of saying yeah. it. And we really we spent a ton of time on homework as we headed into this offseason trying to make sure that we added the right vibes to our clubhouse. It's such a unique chemistry experiment every year to try and find hmm. the right 26 or, or however many guys end up in your clubhouse on a regular basis. And last year, um, through some luck and, and, and some good fortune, we, we think we hit it right and we don't want to do anything to disturb that, but also make our team better. And everything we did on Teoscar pointed to just an impact human being on top of what he brings offensively. So that, that was a big deal for us. Yeah, Teoscar hit those two home runs for the Mariners. The biggest comeback in postseason played down by what seven eight runs and came back to win that second ball game before 46,000 fans at Rogers Center and the Mariners ended up winning that playoff series winning both games what was that experience like for you what did it say about what Scott Service the front office did and the players did young it was a young team last year to get that far and to get to the playoffs for the first time and in 21 years. I think it speaks to the, the mental toughness, the belief that our group had in themselves all year long. You know, people remember the way the end of the season went, and it was awesome. It was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. You know, in mid-May, it didn't seem like it was trending that yeah. direction. We had a really rough stretch. We weren't playing very well, and our clubhouse, and I include our players and our staff, um, our coaches, our trainers, uh, the whole traveling party, really, really stuck together. It would have been easy to let things go completely south when they weren't going well at that time of the year. We, you know, we had a five-game series here against the Angels that just, I mean, we did not play well at all. <laughs> no. We got swept in no. a doubleheader. And I, I, I will always remember in between games, I went out and just sat in the seats and just listened to them cleaning up the the stadium oh, in between and just listened to the leaf blowers and the, <laughs> the noise. And I just stared like, what is happening right now? We can't be yeah. this bad. There's no way. Uh, and then we went off and had the 14-game win streak over the All-Star break and um, the group just really stuck together. And, like, that's sort of a macro view, a full-season view, and you saw that in individual games. They never felt like they were out of it. They always stuck together. They always believed the next guy will help us. He'll take a walk. He'll move the runner. He'll steal a base. He'll do something to help us win a game. Um, you know, it showed in the way we clinched uh, with Cal's walk-off homer. It showed in the Toronto series when we were behind. And it showed in the Houston series, even though we didn't yeah. win that every series. Game. Every game we were right in it. We battled to the end. They would score and we would score. Um, and really we, we played them about as tough as you can play them and I, I think the group just really believes in each other it's incredible to hear you describe the scene as you sit there and trying to figure out what's happening and then you know the lowest of lows and then the highest of the highs when you're talking about winning playoff series it really is amazing what transpired last year from one to the other the, the gray hairs in my beard <laughs> and on my head what's left of them don't really uh don't really show on radio but yeah it's uh it was it was an amazing run in that game in toronto you know it's been all over the mlb network over the last few weeks yeah. as they named it the best game of the year like you know we were sitting down the first baseline and just from okay let's get ready to get, play game three if we can't turn this around to you know you get a base runner carlos hits a homer jp hits the double i can hear rick going crazy in the booth oh, all the way down the man. line and it's like it's springer just, collides with bichette three score unbelievable oh. and then uh you know uh, cal hits a double in the ninth and frage hits it Frage. and i you know i i uh I thought to myself, we were talking about the other day, for George Kirby to be out there in his rookie yeah. season, having never pitched the ninth inning in his life at any level, <laughs> to go out there and, and, and just be firing bullets uh, yeah. against the Blue Jays in their place to close out a series. That's that's what our team is. It's about young players continuing to develop and get better every year and experience new things and not running away from the moments. And you could go down our whole group of 
George or Logan, Cal, Julio, like they are the foundation of what we're building here. And to see how much better they were when you get to September and October than they were when we started the season in April and May, like that group just carried us and it was awesome. Yeah. So much talent there. Young players, you mentioned them all, Julio and George and uh, Logan, uh, Matt Brash. Uh, Andres Munoz was unbelievable. He's younger than most of those guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what can we look forward to? Julio, the the American League Rookie of the Year, every you know uh, organization said, okay, he's the top rookie uh, in the American League. What can we realistically expect from Julio Rodriguez this year? Oh, I think Julio would be mad at me if I put any sort of limitations <laughs> on what he could do. Um, I... I would just assume, like, that most players his age, most 21 and 22-year-olds, he'll continue to get better. We know what kind of human being he is. We know the character and the work ethic he brings to the table. He's just going to get better. He's experienced the league a full time through and a, and a full season now. He'll have seen most of the pitchers that he'll face yeah. again, and that's that's a real advantage for him to have lived through it. Um, he also doesn't have to live, we hope, through an April like he had this yeah. year where he's getting called out on strikes that aren't strikes, and, you know, he's getting the rookie treatment, so to speak. And, you know, I wouldn't expect Julio to hit 150 for a month again and I you know I know he doesn't expect that so I just think we, we, we have a superstar um, that's yeah. what he is he's a, he's a legit superstar he's one of the best players in baseball and you know we're so blessed in this market to have another one of these yeah. types of, of like athletes that you know can change the marketplace for a decade or two decades can we dive into the weeds a little bit because sure. we've, we've talked about Teoscar we've talked about Julio and it's interesting to look at, at those two and throw Cal Raleigh into this as well, uh, who had such a phenomenal season. And you look at the thing that those three guys have in common is how hard they hit the ball. And when I look at Tyoscar, that really jumps off the page. How meaningful is that when you look at him in particular? I mean, our, our, I think everybody knows it's not a big secret. T-Mobile is not hitter-friendly. Um, you know, it varies from year to year, but it's never going to be an easy place to, to hit a home run or, or split the gaps. You know, the ball tends to hang up. Um, so, you you know, not not just the homers. I think what, what really gets lost in T-Mobile is the, the fly balls and the gaps. They just become outs. Um, so to have three guys that can punish the baseball, um, they hit them out of the park, they hit them over the fence, and when they don't, they hit them with such velocity that they, they tend to split the outfielders and that's, the extra base hits are really meaningful. You know, we've, we've always been a team um, that takes its walk um, walks plus extra base hits are crooked numbers, and that's really what we're driving towards with this group is, you know, hitting it in the gap, hitting it over the fence, and making sure we're on base. There's going to be a lot of great changes here in 2023. Visiting with Justin Hollander, Mariners general manager, uh, the pitch clock, which we're all going to love, is going to shorten up the games. We're about 24 innings, excuse me, 24 minutes, you know, a game. But also now with no defensive shifts, two on the left side, two on the right side, you get Colton Wong from the Milwaukee Brewers. Tell us a little bit about Colton Wong, very athletic, former Gold Glove winner to couple with uh, J.P. Crawford on the other side. Sure, really excited to, to add Colton. He's a player that we've coveted for a long time, uh, dating back to his days in St. Louis. Um, we've tried to trade for him over the years. We've tried to sign him as a free agent in the past. Um, talking about someone who defensively has as much range as anyone in his position, uh, 
throws like a left side of the uh, of the infield player, but he plays on the right side. Uh, again, big advantages when trying to turn double plays or make plays in the hole. Um, last year, admittedly, he did not have the same kind of defensive season he's had in the past. You know, in, in talking to him, you know, he, he and Jerry had a conversation yesterday. Incredibly motivated to show everyone that he is an elite defender still. You know, I think he told Jerry yesterday, I would like to win multiple more gold gloves in my career. That's that's my mindset right now. I'm excited to work with Perry Hill. And then offensively, you know, he brings an element that, you know, we've we've tried to add over the years, which is left-handed contact ability. You know, he's learning, you know, as he gets later in his career to to pull the ball down the lines, which we think he can, we can he can exploit at our, our ballpark by hitting it over the fence or hitting it down the line. So it's a it's an awesome fit for our, our group and obviously with limited shifting range becomes more important and we think that his range will, will will be a difference maker for us given the shift limitations how do you think playing second base defensively will change than what we've seen in the years past i, I think range will be the biggest thing uh-huh. um you know i don't think you're going to be able to hide defenders in the way you you have had in the past by sticking another infielder over there um and some of those answers i don't really know um uh, <laughs> you know, we, we haven't played baseball like right. this in a long time yeah. you know shifting has gone up and up and up and up um a part of me thinks it'll make a little bit of difference and a part of me thinks it'll make a big difference and i'm very curious how much of our models and how much of our projection systems are, are really nailing this and how much is just going to not line up with what we think it is after watching it play for a year or half a year. So I'm really curious. You know, there's certain offensive players on our team like Cal and JK who have been the victim of the shift, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm really curious how it goes for them in an era with no shifting. Kyle Seeger's on line one wanting to come back <laughs> and, and, and play. Um, so it's, uh, it, it, it'll be really interesting to see how it unfolds this year. Um, I do think universally everyone's very excited about the pitch clock, not just yeah. for me to get home a half hour earlier, <laughs> yeah, uh, but I just think that, you know, Length of game, I don't think is an issue. I think when people go to games, you know, when I was a kid, please make the game last right. as long as possible. I want to stay. I want to have more peanuts. Yeah. I want to watch more baseball. That's why, you know, I, it's a special treat to come to a game. Pace of game, tempo, right. action, those are things right. that we're trying as an industry to work on. And I think pitch clocks really change tempo in a positive way. So I don't think it'll affect many of our players, um, but I do think league wide, you'll see a big difference in time of game, pace of game. Yeah, we're all going to love that. Justin, uh, the strength of this ball club is the pitching staff, especially the starters. Luis Castillo comes over in that trade, tremendous trade with the Cincinnati Reds. You're going to have him all season long. Robbie Ray, a couple years ago, the Cy Young Award winner when he was with the Toronto Blue Jays. But I want to talk to you about the, the young pitchers that are on their way as well because you've done such a great job, the organization, of getting a George Kirby here and a Logan Gilbert and the others along the way and getting young players from other organizations to get here. A Matt Brash doing what he did early in the year starter, then becomes a reliever. But what about an Emerson Hancock, a Bryce Miller, uh, Taylor Dollard? How close are these kids? Because they're going to have a great opportunity to show what they can do at spring training this year. They're really close. Um, and and we are very high on all three of those guys that you mentioned. I would add Brian Wu to that mix as well, our sixth-round pick from a couple years ago, um, who really burst his way onto the scene last year after coming back from Tommy John surgery, which he had had right before we drafted him. Um, and, and those four guys in particular stand out they're they're pretty close i think you could see them all at some point this year uh depending on their development and our needs um they're all a little bit different um but they i think they have a chance to really make an impact on this team and that's something we need to do we need to cultivate our own pitching we need to develop it and that is a strength organizationally that we've shown over the years and it's not just we happen to pick the right guys on draft day or sign them internationally
professionally. It's not just because our pitching programs are developmentally strong. It's it's the marriage between those two groups, the way they communicate, yeah. the way they work together, the synergy between them has really been a strong point for our organization. And I think there'll be more to come over the years because they do work so well together. Mariners General Manager Justin Hollander is with us. We are live at Steelhead Alley at Hatback across from the ballpark. You have time to come down and join us. We're going to be here for the next couple of hours. Dan Wilson will be here. Ryan Roland Smith will be here. Carson Vitale here as well. He's going to join us coming up. Come down. Rick will buy you drinks. Absolutely. That's what he does. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm the house. We'll come back. More Justin Hollander right after this when we return. Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. Welcome back to the Hot Stove. Gary Hill, Rick Riz, Justin Hollander here. Jerry Cass of Thousands. Yeah. Well, for the people here, too, you should know that you have a chance to enter to win a Julio Rodriguez Rookie of the Year prize pack. Just see one of the promotions assistants here. You'll get entered to win. We'll draw the winner before the show ends. Just make sure you see them before 7.15. So... Yeah. My, uh, you, my, you my, are not allowed. I'm not that. eligible. Yeah, sorry. My, my son oh. is just getting into collecting baseball cards. He's seven years old. And so this year um, for Hanukkah, I wanted to go to the card shop and buy him like a starter kit. So a bunch of packs and the guy at the card shop said, oh, is he, what, you know, didn't obviously know that I worked for the Mariners or anything and said something like, oh, if he's a Mariners fan, Julio's the card. <laughs> I said, thanks. I'll no, work on that. Every year buy a complete set of tops and put it away for him. Yeah. He's, uh, he's loving it right now. He's got a whole binder and uh, Uncle Jerry gave him a big starter uh, binder oh, to go with of a bunch of Mariners cards through history. Because so. Jerry collects every Mariners, yes, every so. Mariners team set. So he that is now my son's. Jerry gifted it to him this year. So, who's your son's favorite? Gino. Really? Yeah, he loves Gino. Absolutely loves him. Uh, my oh. daughter loves JP. Uh, she has a JP jersey on her wall, uh, and my son loves Gino. So, when when you guys acquired uh, Gino Suarez from Cincinnati, I called up Marty Brenneman. I said, Marty, tell me about. Eugenio Suarez and Winker, and he's talked about Winker. He said, Eugenio Suarez, Gino is the nicest guy he's ever met in baseball. Here's a Fall of Fame announcer for the Cincinnati Reds, been around for 40 years, and it's true. He's one of the nicest guys in baseball, and he can play third base and hit. Like yes, crazy. he can. Yes, he can. Marty was the, the voice of my childhood. I used to listen oh, yeah. on the radio growing up as a kid to Marty Brenneman and Joe Knoxall. Oh, yeah. Every night, you know, I'd sneak into, I'd sneak the radio on, and then my dad would come down the hall at, you know, 10 o'clock, time to turn the radio off. I just threw one more inning, one oh, more inning. Who was your so, favorite player? Um, probably on those teams, probably Eric Davis. Um, who was awesome and yeah. a great athlete. And then, you know, like, that was a great time for baseball. You know, the A's were like a dominant, yeah. you know, once the World Series three times in a row. They had Ricky Henderson and McGuire and Canseco. And at the winter meetings this year, I met Dave Stewart for the first time, who was like the ace of those A's teams. And those are like the cool moments when you work in baseball that you get to meet some of your childhood heroes. So those those moments are cool. What if you as an adult would have talked to you as a kid saying, Someday, you're going to be the general manager of a team that yeah. went to the playoffs and won a playoff series. I mean, do you pinch yourself sometimes what you've been able to accomplish in your career? I had a good year last year. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was, I would say it so. Was, it was really, I mean, it was a dream come true. Um, and, you know, especially the way the, the second half of the season went with us playing so well and doing it with, like I said, a collection of 
mostly young homegrown kids that had kind of come together with us and i think about like a lot of times the the group of players that we had at the alt site during the COVID season yeah. that like you know hung in there in tacoma playing inter-squad games every day and julio was hurt i don't know if you guys remember he broke his wrist right at the right before we broke camp that year so julio was just hanging out every day basically at the alt site and, and jk was getting eight at bats and george was pitching and you know we we hadn't even acquired brash yet at that point um logan was there and cal was there and it was just like the that group became a playoff team in a blink of an eye and it's crazy to think about so you know the, just the way it happened and adding guys like gino who really did change the the culture of our clubhouse and the dynamic of our team in a positive way signing robbie and, and bringing his experience and care factor and leadership and the way he integrated the group together and brought them together during the season with events and gatherings at his house and addressing the team when needed to be addressed and adding someone like carlos santana at mid-season there were just a lot of things that went really well for the organization last year and like the the upward trajectory that we're on we we just couldn't be more excited about yeah, it was so much fun watching Julio and, and the rest of the young players uh, to become the player that he is right now, the player that we know he's going to be because you said he's going to be so much better as, as he gets more experience. But tell me a little bit more about the young position players that we have down in the minor leagues. Who's who's next up to, you know, knock on the door? We talked about some young pitchers, but what about the position guys coming up? So obviously, you know, the next step for guys like Kelnick and Trammell is to take what they've done at the upper levels of the minors and, and really get their footing in the big leagues. We believe, you know, based on what we're seeing this offseason, they're both taking big, meaningful steps forward. Um, you know, we've gone and visited both of them. You know, Trammell's been here at Driveline working out. Uh, JK's been in, in Southern California and in Arizona uh, working out. Really excited about where both of those guys are at. And then a little bit further down, um, one guy that I think you'll start seeing really rise up prospect list is our first-round pick from a couple years ago, Harry Ford. It's hard to be better than Harry Ford was from June 1st on last year in the minor leagues. You know, it's hard to be a teenage catcher at a full season uh, affiliate your first year out. You know, it took him a little time to find his footing, and he basically destroyed the league once he got to June 1st and found his footing. You know, 450 on base or something like that. You know, as many walks as strikeouts. He steals bases. He's a good defensive catcher. He just, he brings the whole suite uh, that you'd be looking for on top of being just a crazy athlete. You know, I hope we'll see him a little bit this spring training. He's going to play for the uh, Great Britain team in the WBC. But if, you know, if, if able to or if their time in the WBC tournament ends relatively early, I would expect that he would, you know, come join us in Major League Camp at that point. And I think you'll everyone will get a glimpse of, of the things that Harry Ford can do. He's really special. Glad you mentioned that, too. I've already circled the United States plays Great Britain a night game in Arizona. We have a day game. Mariners have a day game that day. So you could watch Harry Ford play against the U.S. Which there you go. Pretty cool. Yeah. I'm curious, when you, you mentioned Trammell and Kelnick, Going into a season like this, high expectations, playoff expectations, how do you balance the production with the continued development of players? We talk about it a lot, and I think the, the best way that I can frame it is how comfortable are you living with some degree of certainty or uncertainty on your club? You know, I think our market can support a lot of certainty. You know, we're able to trade for Luis Castillo and extend him, you know, you know what you're going to get from J.P. Crawford. You know what you're going to get, or you at least you think you do, from Colton Wong. So, like, Teoscar Hernandez, great example. Guys with really long track records. 
I don't think it's healthy for our organization to be uncomfortable with any degree of uncertainty. We have to incorporate young players. You know, a year ago, we would have been having this conversation, like, how comfortable are you with Cal Raleigh? How comfortable are you with Julio Rodriguez never having really played at the upper levels? You know, George Kirby, his, you know, he's got like 50 innings or 60 innings in double A. How comfortable are you with him and Brash as, you know, the first two guys up? There's always a balance between making sure you're protected, you have enough depth, you have enough experience, and also leaving some runway for young players to take the ball and run with it and, and make an impact on your club. We have to continue to find, try and strike the right balance. I think we're doing it, though. Cal Raleigh had an amazing season. He hit that home run to get us into the playoffs on September 30th. I almost jumped out of the booth along with uh, <laughs> Gary. Uh, Me too. <laughs> and, uh, oh, my goodness. First time in the playoffs in a long time, and he got us there with that home run off of Domingo Acevedo. A walk-off pinch hit home run on a 3-2 pitch. And here's a young man. Talk about tough. I mean, he was playing the last month and a half with a torn ligament in his thumb. How did he catch? How did he swing the bat? How did he do that? I have no idea. <laughs> he, he basically refused to talk about it or, or tell anyone that he wasn't feeling good. He just kept saying, I'm fine, I'm good to go. And, you know, a funny story about that. So we won the night before we clinched, and it brought the magic number down to one, and I think there were seven games left or something like that. You know, pretty obvious we were going to make the playoffs, and I was in Scott's office with Jerry after the game, and Cal came in and he said i'm good to go and scott said no 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 no. like it's a night you need a night like we're gonna get there and he said come on skip you gotta let me finish it off and i I held up my hand i said whoa whoa, whoa. this can be a negotiation we can work on this how about a pinch hit later in the game when it's it's impactful what and 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 you said that yeah i did say that and uh and cal said all right we'll work on that and skip said all right we'll talk about it we'll see how the game goes and so we're upstairs, and it's the seventh inning, and the spot in the lineup came up, and I, had, I said to Jerry, I, I can't believe he's not hitting Cal here <laughs> in the seventh. And then and then he did it in the ninth, and uh, on the field, I actually have it on my phone. My wife took a picture. I was giving Cal a hug after he hit the walk-off home, and I'm pointing at him, and I said, I told you. I told you. Um, so it, awesome. I mean, Cal, unbelievable. I think the thing that everybody saw the on-field production what people didn't get to see was the growth and how he handled the staff how he prepared for every series it's just it took him a little time to find his voice and when he did he just took off and i would really point to the met series in new york when that happened you know he'd been sent down to the minor leagues unfortunately murph had gotten hurt i want to say it was like a week in after cal got sent down he wasn't down for long i would like to say that we fixed cal or something like that we, we had nothing to do with it he was down for a week i don't know what we could have fixed um and he went to new york and it was the sunday game and he hit an absolute bomb almost out of the stadium in right center field yeah. and from then on it was just like it all came out like i'm a good player i belong here let's go um and he just was a completely different guy and really took ownership of the staff of the preparation which just was a phenomenal season for cal his development is really one of the great stories and where he as you pointed out where he was in april till the end of the season and especially in the context and a position that it's really hard to find great production at, at catcher. Right it's now. impossible. I mean, it is such a hard position to play in the major leagues. It's you know, it's it's the equivalent of the NFL quarterback. Everybody says, I can't believe they can't find thirty-two <laughs> good guys every year. Um, it's, yeah, right. I mean, no one has catching. Yeah. Um, and yeah. for us to to feel like we have a, a franchise player at that position yes. for a long time is is so exciting for us. And just think about the number of big moments that Cal had yeah. last yeah. year. Is the homer in New York on Sunday that helped us win a series? I want to say that was like the second series 
all year that the Mets had lost. Maybe the first. Like they, they had basically run through the league for the first six or seven weeks of the season. You know, he hit the two homers on the the uh, the Cleveland game on Sunday where we had the long rain delay. We were sitting there forever, including the one in the eleventh inning. I think it was off of Trevor Steffen to basically get us home because if we didn't win the game right there, we were going to have to stay the night in Cleveland. Like just a homer after homer, big hit after big hit, and then just carried it right through the playoffs and homer in game one in toronto as i recall like just unbelievable season and it feels like looking at him as a hitter and what he did in the minors it feels like there is growth there too with him as a hitter i think he showed that you know i think sometimes we decide at 20 you know and this is a great jared kelnick example to it 22 or 23 or 24 years old we just decide as an industry Oh, they're not going to get any better. They're, 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 you know, this is are what they are. And that's just not true. That's, that's not the way yeah. baseball works. That's not the way life works. And that's not what we believe in organizationally. We do believe development takes place in the big leagues. Guys get better. You can learn and work at it and, and improve yourself. And, and Cal really has. And, you know, I think he was a better hitter last year than he'd been even in the minor leagues. And that's with the level of competition difference. And that's with handling five starting pitchers for, you know, the bulk of the work for you know four and a half months of the season and really taking the job and running with it and again i think you you hit on it earlier his overall toughness both physical and mental to go do all that while playing with a broken thumb and a torn ligament is just it's insane he's 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 gonna be you know a, a fan favorite forever for what he did last year yeah, for sure yeah i saw him in, in boston and there was nobody around it was early in the day at fenway park and he just visited with his family his dad is from vermont and uh, we had a quick conversation. I said, hey, you're getting things turned around here. I said, Rick, I just want to have fun. And man, did he ever, you know, from that point on. Uh, a guy that, another guy that had fun that I don't think gets enough credit. He does here, but I don't think around baseball, but he was an all-star this year's Ty France. Yep. This guy is one of the best hitters, you know, in this league. The way that he puts the bat on the ball, hits the ball all over the place. Is he underrated throughout Major League Baseball? But he did make the All-Star team this year, and I'm so happy that he did. Yeah, he's underrated, I think, league-wide. And I think that last year people finally started to get an appreciation for how good a hitter is and how much of a unicorn he kind of is. You know, in that he uses the whole field. You know, he really is a tough out. He lets the game situation dictate it. How many times, you know, you run around second with two outs, the tie will take the pitch that's an inch off the plate and just, just hit a rocket to right field and drive in the run. He's he's very unique in that way. He's great situationally. He's a very good defender. You know, he understands how to play the game in a way that a lot of players don't. His and his bat just stays in the zone forever, and it just makes it really difficult to pitch to in an era where you know pitchers are throwing more and more breaking balls. He just crushes the breaking ball, particularly the mistake breaking ball. Um, and I think Ty is someone, another example of someone who just keeps getting better. He's gotten better every year. He got better in the big leagues. You know, he's learning to lift and pull the ball a little bit when the situation dictates it. He's just, again, a player who continues to get better and better. And, you know, Cal's second half, or Cal, uh, Ty's second half, little unfair to him. He was clearly bothered after getting hit so much, and you know he went to a little bit of a funk and seemed to pull out of it right down the stretch at the very end as we got into the playoff. I think you're going to, you know, very good chance you see first half tie for instance for the entirety of 2023, and that player is a difference maker. That's an all-star level first baseman. So, well, Justin, 
Thank you for coming that's over. It? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that you could fast. you could stay as long as you want. <laughs> yeah. We're not kicking you out. I heard Rick is buying earlier. So <laughs> whoa, yeah. 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 Why not? What the heck? Yeah, water, water for everybody. See, people love it. It was great to see you. Great I, to I see you guys. I guess the next time we'll see you will be Arizona. I can't wait to come up and do some some uh, play, play by play, play in the booth exactly. with you guys. You can do the middle yes. night. Yeah. Yes. Justin, we're holding you to that. Thanks for having me. I usually love to do it on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. You know, we'll we'll just do like five or six innings together. Yes. Sure. I'm in. Absolutely. Free pretzels. Great to say thanks for coming by. Man. <laughs> yes. Bring the pretzels. <laughs> See you yes. Guys. There it is. General Manager Justin Hollander. We've got Carson Vitale here. I, I saw him walking around somewhere. He's coming up next as Hot Stove continues right after this. The Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. And welcome back to Hot Stove. We are at the halfback. Gary Hill, Rick Riz. Carson Vitale is here. Major League Field Coordinator for the Mariners. Uh, your family's here? I saw the family around. Yeah, my wife Lucy's here and my son Charlie. They're, they're here for the trivia, which I kind of <laughs> am too. Uh, but no, they're, they're always uh, Alex is really into go. the trivia too. Alex is here. So there he is. Oh, Charlie's, Charlie's getting He's big. the captain of my team. I only nice. play if Alex is playing. He is, he is something special. Well, if it was baseball trivia... I'm not sure anything outside of baseball, though. But. It, it's really any type of trivia with Alex. Oh, it's re- it's remarkable. Okay. He, it's it, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to come by that. How's your off season? It's great to see you. Good to see you guys. Uh, it's been good. It's been busy. Um, first time dad, so it, that changes things a little bit. <laughs> but uh, we've yeah, we've bounced bounced around a little bit. Seen my folks. Seen Lucy's folks back in Nebraska. Um, talked to their players. Kept busy. You no, know, it's been great. Now, how quickly do you get ready and ramp up for the next year? I mean, it was so exciting last year, you know, getting to the playoffs and winning in Toronto and giving Houston more than they could handle. And when does your new season start? Or do you have a chance to relax a little bit before another year, Carson? It it really doesn't stop, which is a great thing. Um, often I've been asked uh, questions such as, like, what is the next big thing in baseball? And it really is the offseason, you know, capturing the offseason and making sure our players are supported and their programs are dialed in. Um, you know, that's real time where they can develop and, and make meaningful skill change and add strength. Um, so it it's really doesn't stop as, as soon as the, our season ended. You know, guys take a little bit of a break, a couple weeks, but then it's right back to work. And um, now with January hitting here, uh, Spring training's right around the corner, and it's it's planning time. And you make a great you make such a great point because the season is such a grind. Yeah, I found it amazing last year that so many guys started throwing new pitches. I mean, it's the kind of thing that you just never see because of the way the baseball season goes. Yeah, and it's such a unique sport in terms of like there really isn't practice. Right, every day is a game, and that that game is somewhat of a test. And um, the off season. Listen, what are, some of our pitchers did this this, this summer in adding two seams and to their arsenal midway through their the season was remarkable. I mean, it's just, it just it's happen. it doesn't happen, and just yeah. a testament to our, our coaching staff, our players for trying new things. I mean, that in and of itself, taking a risk and a gamble on going out there into a major league game and throwing a two seam for the first time in your career. Mm-hmm. That's hard to do, and that is that takes some guts. Even a veteran like Robbie Ray yes. went, "Okay, I'm going to start right now. I'll throw one tonight." Oh. You know how how remarkable is it's is amazing. That? It's amazing, and like that, I remember that day vividly. It, it was at Houston, and it, you know Robbie seemingly didn't have any answers that night, and he went down the tunnel and said, "I'm going to I'm, <laughs> I'm going to Plan B," and like that takes guts and that takes some courage. So, you know, credit to them. 
We just had Justin Hollander on, Mariners GM, who you work with so very closely, and he talked about Jared Kelnick and Taylor Trammell uh, getting ready for the season. These Both these kids have so much talent. It's going to be interesting yeah. to see how that left field spot uh, you know, works out uh, this year. So tell us, what are they doing on, and, and at the end of the year, what kind of checklist do, does Scott and you and everybody else in the in the front office, the baseball side, tell these guys to do to get ready? Yeah, it's, it's a really all-encompassing process. I mean, a massive collaboration between our high-performance department, our skills coaches, um, our analysts, our front office, our coaches. It takes, it takes a village. Um, to kind of fill you in the process a little bit, uh, we have um, throughout the season player plan meetings where we check in with our players um, somewhat frequently every month to make sure that they're working on, their, on the right things, making sure that the goals and the priorities remain the priorities. So as the, as the calendar flips and the season, season's over, we have uh, what we call a BVY meeting, which is an acronym for best version of yourself. And we have, it typically happens a month after the season breaks, a chance for the players to debrief, you know, you know, relax a little bit. And then it's right back to work. This is, what you, this is what your strengths were. This is where your weaknesses were. This is what your goals were. You know, did we hit the mark? Where can we improve? Um, and this process started uh, roughly the the year I was hired back in 2017-ish. Um, and it's evolved over time, and it's, it's a really good process and product at this point, and our players are accustomed to it. Um, so for, you know, with those players, for example, we were meeting with, with Kel and, and with Tram um, on over like a Zoom-type meeting, and we're going through analytics, we're going through more subjective, visual um, pieces of data where it's... it's physical it's mental it's it's unique to that player based on what he is needs and what his goals are um and then they get to work um kel has had a great off season tay as well tay's up here once a month checking checking in at driveline and our coaches are working in collaboration with their with their coaches and it's uh it's it's a lot and it's a lot to keep track of but um thankfully we have really good players who are dedicated to getting better and um there's not a whole lot of worry going on, you know, that our guys are getting getting after it. Um, but it's kind of my job to make sure that everybody is connected and mm-hmm. and that the the flow of communication is is strong. Yeah, for those who don't know, and I know it's a hard thing to describe because you do a lot. Yeah. But how do you describe what you do? Yeah, it's a good question, and it's it changes. I think every month. Um, I look at myself. If if the mayor's organization was a Venn diagram, I kind of sit in the middle of that Venn diagram. You know, whether it's, you know, over the, today talking with our high-performance team and our pitching coaches about how to improve our communication models so that we make better decisions in terms of our relievers and our starting pitchers and throwing programs and usage to talking with our, our hitting coaches about bat fitting for our, for our players. I kind of sit in the middle of all these discussions to make sure that the right people are in the room and the right things are being talked about, and ultimately it's all about just getting to a process where we make better decisions for our players because it is about our players i heard a few votes there uh <laughs> yeah you, uh, <laughs> yep. grew up in born in victoria born in victoria Columbia. yeah beautiful city i love it is growing up and tell us a little bit about growing up across the way in, in victoria and how many times did you come out to watch the mariners play yeah sadly i actually grew up you know it's one of those things i grew up 
what your dad, you know, grows up, you know, watching TV. And my dad's from Wisconsin. He's a big Packer fan. Therefore, I'm a big Packer fan, unfortunately. And, you and Scott. Yeah. Um, but he was also a big Cubs fan. So I grew up idolizing Sammy Sosa and Mark Grace. And I still had an affinity for the Mariners because they were regional. And sure. um, the high school team I played for is actually called the Victoria Mariners. So there's always a close affiliation. Yeah, I was a Mariner. I've been a Mariner for a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but always had an affinity for Seattle, always wanted to live here. So when I did get promoted to the Major League staff, it was a, a really easy excuse for me and my wife to make the move from Nebraska here. So love it here. Um, Victoria is unique. Canada is unique with baseball and high school sports. Um, there isn't a lot of high school sanctioned sports just because the money is just distributed a little bit differently in Canada in terms of scholarships and funding. So it's a lot of club, um, a lot of club ball. Yeah. We, did, we did use wooden bats in high school, um, which I thought was is unique. Um, but it's Pacific Northwest baseball. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. rainy and, and rainy in, in, uh, <laughs> in those, those months, so you get used to it. Yeah, one of the cool moments from this year, yeah, we all had dreams of making it to the majors, right? And I, there was at one point, and when uh, a catcher is putting on gear between innings or whatnot, <laughs> usually the backup catcher goes out and catches. But, you know, Cal was dealing with injury for a lot of the time. Yeah. And, and I'm looking down, and, and there you are. You know, Robbie Ray is on the hill, Major yeah. League Ballpark. There you are catching Robbie Ray. And yeah. I was just thinking how cool it is that you're on the major major league field full house yeah it's equal parts cool and equal parts terrifying I, mean, <laughs> I used to be a catcher right. but that was you know over you know 15 years ago at this point and i'm telling you when you squat back there and that ball's coming in and you haven't done it in a while you don't have a mask on it's not exactly a fun thing even though you are in a major league ballpark <laughs> well you hit 290 in 2010 in arizona with the rangers organization so that's yeah. not too shabby buddy yeah it's, it's look at the sample size on that one it's not, it's not, it's not a lot don't forget about that either. <laughs> i'm looking i'm looking at the uh the 290. You end up uh, going to Creighton. Yeah. And that was Scott Service's uh, school as yeah. well. So by the time you got there, was the Scott Service statue in front of the ballpark or <laughs> the entrance of the university? or No, they kept what? that in the shed in the back. It was, well, that's the on it. <laughs> but what was it like uh, going to Creighton? And, you know, Scott went there and he's, you know, an yeah. alumnus. It's uh, it's if I can look back on my life, it was probably one of those, one of those moments, the defining moments in my life. Um, Kid from, kid from Canada who played junior college baseball in Texas. Uh, didn't have a whole lot of opportunity. Had some, I had some Division I scholarships lined up, and then I was playing summer ball in the Northwoods League, which I did for three years and loved it. Um, I was catching opening night, um, and the pitcher was from Creighton, and the pitching coach was there and offered me a scholarship the next day. Um, and it was, a, it was a very good scholarship, and I told my dad about Creighton, and he goes, have you been to Omaha before? And I go, no, I haven't. <laughs> but ultimately, it was it was uh, it was one of the things that I can look back to and say that that's that's where I grew up. You know that that's where I became you know the person I am and lifelong friends and teaching moments and you know the baseball was great, obviously, and I had a great time. But uh, the things I learned there, um, you know, will always be a part of me. And ultimately, I met my wife in Omaha, so there were some good there were some some good I things to come from that. Yeah. When I look at you on the Mariners.com or whatever, all your headshots are still it's the big beard. Yeah. So yeah. Are, are we adjusting the headshot going to this season? Is it mustache? Are you staying with the beard headshot? What's the plan? Yeah. It's, 
it's an evolving process. Okay. Uh, I had a good. I feel like I, I have a face made for a mustache. Um, I thought the same. I love thing the about, mustache. I thought the same thing about a beard too, and that you know got old after a few years. It was um, a big beard. Yeah, it was. It, it was you know, glorious. It was. Huge. If you know me at all, if I'm going to do something, I'm not going to do it halfway. Um, so I, I went for that. Uh, but I think the. The shorter version of this mustache is probably here to stay for a little bit. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. So headshot, the, when we see you. Beard. No yep. Beard, no, no beard. No beard. A mustache, mustache, most likely, yes. Great. Perfect. You can't guarantee it, but I'm, I'm leaning that way. Uh, you're handsome with or without the beard. <laughs> 2022 was, was so exciting, and we were going wild up in the booth. The fans were going wild in the stands, just like they're doing here at the Hatback Grill tonight. i got to ask you... <laughs> You were in the dugout. All the drinks you're buying is really paying off. I know, yeah. Drinks all around. (laughs) And uh, what in the world was it like in the dugout? Cal hits the home run, winning in Toronto. 46,000 fans had to go home at Rogers Center celebrating. We had about, what, 500 Mariner fans there that stayed for a long, long time. We stayed on the radio, Gary, for how long after that? Hours, seemed like. We just finished. Yeah. (laughs) How... What was it like in the dugout? It's really hard to put into words, obviously, the emotion. Um, just, it's such a long season. And to, and to see it pay off the way it did for our players, for our fans, for everybody involved in the organization, it just, I mean, it, could you write a better story no. with Cal hitting the walk-off, with his thumb the way it was, the JP double in Toronto, you know, I mean, the, Teo- the two homers that Teoscar hit against us are, like, burned into my brain. <laughs> and the fact that he's going to be playing for us next year is, nice. is awesome. Um, but to answer your question, it's the amount of, mo- of like, just raw emotion, it's really hard to it's really hard to put into words. Just the sheer joy that you feel for the players and any, for everybody, you know, for the city of Seattle. You know, it was such a oh. long time coming and... Um, it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh-huh. Yep. There's yeah. no other words to describe. Historic. Well, Carson's going to stick with us for another segment. We'll come back with more right after this on the hot stove. The Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. Welcome back to the Hatback. We're here live. Gary Hill, Rick Riz, Carson Vitale here. Dan Wilson is here. Jack Mosseman is here, too. Oh, Look at Jack. He's my yes. hero. Jack. Jack's the greatest. Dan the man. Yeah. Look at them. Very Smiling, so happy. Yeah. If you come, still, we'll be here for the next hour. You can some, come say hi is to Dan Is anybody Wilson. better than Dan Wilson? No, oh, honestly. He's, he's the best. Absolutely not. Dan. Jack, Jack, Jack is a close second. Oh, my <laughs> Alex is a distant third. Alex. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, what are you looking forward to the most? I think just getting the, the group back together. Um, yeah. Just seeing everybody for that first week of spring training is so, so much fun. Our group is so close. Our players are so close. You know, talking to the guys in the offseason, everybody's just chomping at the bit. I talked to Cal today, and he's heading down to Arizona um, on Monday. Like, they just want to get down there. Yeah. They're excited to see each other. I mean, beyond, you know, winning baseball games and going deep into the playoffs, um, you know, just being with our group is really a good thing. Going to work every day is really exciting because of the people we have. Carson, you guys really are a team. In order to do what that team did last year, come back from a 10-game deficit to getting to the playoffs, winning 90 games for the second consecutive year, getting to the playoffs, 
You guys have to be together as a family. You guys do something very unique down at spring training before each and every game, or I think most days, you guys get together in a clubhouse and you have a lot of fun. Yeah. Scott runs the show and he brings up a player up to talk about that player. That player gets a chance to talk about whatever it is. We can't go in there. It's it's very, you know, in yeah. tune to get you guys together even before you walk on the field. Long before you walk on the field, you get to know one another. 65 guys at the start of spring training to start the process of becoming a team. Yeah. How important is that and what actually goes on without revealing too much yeah i mean skip does so many great things and that is probably one at the top of the list bringing our group together and culture is a big reason for our success and um getting to know the people in that room is the only way we can really push each other right the only way you win 90 games and get deep in the playoffs and do the things we do is if you love each other but also challenge each other right the only way we improve every day is if we're able to have open dialogue and challenge our players and for them to challenge us back and come up and walk through the door saying okay we're, we're okay you know this is for the betterment of the group and the only way you can do that and feel good about it is if you know each other and you know the person you're doing that with you know and that meeting is a is a microcosm of just us becoming closer so that we can have real conversation and we can you know push each other because that's what good teams do you know they we tell hear, the truth we hear a lot of laughter coming <laughs> from the so it's 95 percent awesome and yeah. good times um but it's 5% real, too. You know, yeah. you got to, it's, you know, it's not all rose-colored glasses. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's real life. And you can't call yourself a family if you don't, you know, know, you know every bit about your, the people you're with every day. Exactly. It became official today. The entire coaching staff is back with the addition of Stephen Vogt yeah. as well, which is yeah. pretty exciting. Awesome. How much do you enjoy working with this group? They're family. Yeah, they really are. And the addition of Stephen Vogt is only going to put us over the top. Um, we also added a, a bullpen catcher by the name of Justin Novak. He's a great dude as well. Um, I, I really I really believe that the, the core of why we are doing some of the things we're doing is because we've gotten the right people on board. Um, and that's really hard to do. You know, it takes a lot of time to vet people and, and onboard them and make good hires. Um, that is takes a lot of work, and I think it's something that we do extremely well. Um, and that group is awesome. You know, Skip does an unbelievable job of leading and letting us do good work with a lot of autonomy. And ultimately, we trust each other and push each other, and it's really good. You know, I've been at been in three organizations now and this is this is the best you mentioned scott service uh there's a lot of things that go on before a ball game and a number of meetings and then they get the guys out there they get ready and there's a lot of talking during the course of the ball game what has made scott Sur- by the way i think scott should have been the american league manager of the year the yep. last two, two years, years. Yep. the last two years no doubt uh, what is it about Scott that makes him so special and do what he does? He trusts the people that are in the room. He, he, he brings them on board and he, and he coaches them up and then he ultimately trusts them to do good work. And he trusts them to do the right thing and tell him the truth. Um, yeah. I think good leaders are really good at communicating what they expect and then letting them go and do good work for the betterment of the group. And Scott is exceptional at that. He also is the most prepared manager in the American League and the major leagues for that matter, in my opinion. Carson, we could go on forever, but we can if you want to. (laughs) (laughs) 
Seriously, thanks for coming down. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you in a short time in Arizona. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks there for bringing Charlie the on, the, on, on the trip. Yeah, so. Yes. Major League Field Corner for the Mariners. We'll come back. Dan Wilson is going to join us. David Eskenazi here as well. All right. We have a lot to get to as the hot stove continues right after this.